0: You are now listening to Infinite Rewind, a podcast brought to you by YFC. We in here. Um, all right, gentlemen, what do you think? Y'all ready to do this? I told you I'm nervous. i not even playing. I'm out here wearing my glasses yeah. to look smart, just to pretend like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's, what I, that's my look. That's what yeah, this, it's, it's, I can tell. I feel like 5% <laughs> with these things on.
1: You Um, take your glasses off and you look dumb as
0: bricks. Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Cross-eyed.
1: Sit sit in the passenger
0: seat, try to drive the car? Yeah, no, I feel you. Um, All right, y'all, let's do this. Let's do this. Um, Man, episode 36 of Infinite Rewind. I am so thrilled to be here. I'm your host, Benny the Beloved a.k.a. Benny Glenciaga, a.k.a. Benny Hanna, No Drama, a.k.a. Benny the Bill Player and the Burrito (laughs) Slayer. I'm joined my right by Mr. Sugarfoot Frias himself and Tom Brady's stunt double here in the building. Guys, we are diving into the third episode of our 1994 music series by doing a deep dive into Nazir Jones hip-hop classic filmatic. Um, I am just so interested to paint this picture for y'all of what 94 was look like. And I was so happy that Raul gave us a few facts at the beginning when we reviewed Portishead's Dummy. Uh, I wanna kind of paint the picture a bit wider here um, and give y'all some facts of some things that happened in 1994. So to start off, Nelson Mandela was elected president of South Africa Uh, Kurt Cobain, the grunge superstar, killed himself in 1994. He was 27. Uh, Some movies that came out, you had Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, Shawshank Redemption. Just for context, the most sold car that year was a Ford Taurus. A minimum wage was $4.25 an hour. And I don't know if y'all remember this, because I didn't. uh, The World Series was canceled because there was a major league baseball strike in 1994. 94. So let's start off this way. It's 1994. We got an afternoon barbecue on a Saturday, probably drinking a Heineken, rocking a plaid shirt, and wearing some ripped jeans that wouldn't look too different from the ripped jeans people are wearing now. You're talking about music with your homies. And Illmatic comes up. I want to know, just starting off, how would y'all Sell this album. Talk about this album to people in that time frame.
1: So you're talking from my perspective now? From your perspective? perspective now,
0: I take Raul. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Put him in 1994.
1: Take Libby. I, I, I would say that this album is grade A poetry. Uh, I would say that Nas is a once in a century type of artist. And lastly, I will say that this album was produced by arguably the uh, the Megatron, uh, or Voltron, rather, of hip-hop producers at the time. It was many producers that were great in their uh, time that came and collectively made this masterpiece.
0: Love it.
2: I love it. I'd say... um you guys like jazz music you like hip hop this is like a perfect infusion of the two um, with some imagination of you know of, of you know street life um, it's just a, it's a it's a perfect concoction for um for that chill but um I would say it's 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 fast, it's aggressive, but it's chill and smooth at the same time. Um, it's a good, it's a great uh, mix of um, hip hop over your just easy jazz listens. Yeah, it is a is a really easy listen and it's fun. And um, this guy's super talented. You gotta check him out. It's yeah, great. man.
0: I love that. Um, I, I am somewhere in between both of y'all. I would describe this as like if Ernest Hemingway was a gangster and he wrote about his time living in New York City. Um, if you could put crime music in that poetry vein, I feel like this is that. But it's not necessarily from a criminal's like eye. It's from like a criminal like observing all of it. So the the picture feels very wide of what's happening here. Um, But man, it's poetry. I think that's going to be the the, the word we keep coming back to throughout this album. So wanted to kind of get your initial feels there. Let's talk some stats real quick. 1994 Illmatic. There is this mythology around this grand magnum opus of hip hop that was written by this 19-year-old kid from Queensbridge. Came out on April 19th, 1994. The time period, how old he actually was, like I read a bunch of different things, like some people said he was 19, other people said he was like 15 and 16. Let's just be honest, it's his first album, so he probably has raps that he wrote in like seventh grade to this, and it probably spanned all the way through. So let's say he wrote a majority of this album when he should have been in high school. Should have been, key fact. He actually didn't end up going to high school, he dropped out of school with his dad's consent. His dad said it was a good idea, quote, those white teachers are not going to teach you anything. So he dropped out of school. And I think that contributes to why this album is so astonishing to people and its wisdom, because, yeah, he's 19, but his formative years were in the early 90s on the streets with a majority of people that were either going to jail or getting murdered. So he saw a lot during that. And I think we get all of that just right away. New York State of Mind. You want to talk about a dense mural of just feeling like you're inside the New York subways, inside the projects? I I don't think I've heard, there's a rap intro that is as immersive as that. Um, But I, I guess we can kind of start there. Give me your first impressions on those, just first two tracks, the intro and New York State of Mind. Where did you all go emotionally, mentally, physically? Let's, let's peel that back.
2: Um, it, well, right away, I, I, um, don't take this the wrong way. I was like, Oh, I've heard this before. I've heard this from another artist or something. I, it just sounds familiar. And that's when I instantly linked to it. Like I texted you guys during the week. It's like, Oh, big L. Um, and in my, I had like Raekwon, like Wu-Tang come to mind that East coast, um, canvas for hip hop so instantly um it brought me to just i had some association right i'm not a, I'm not very uh versed in this genre so i started the easiest thing for me uh, is to associate it with something i've heard before and that usually knocks off the first layer um so i don't spend so much time focusing on trying to figure out what this is and then it just came down to pure um writing skills poetry it's like just his delivery yeah um so i approached it and um no i i felt it kind of made me feel like i wanted to be there like i kind of felt like i wanted to like walk around new york city i don't know i wanted to like be i wanted to get up and go um it's really cool with like just like throw my airpods on or headphones and just like walk <laughs> in an urban I'm- setting It's really cool. Where, yeah, I think the first two
1: songs, starting with the intro, which is really not a song, but uh, from the intro to "New York State of Mind," I think it like perfectly drops you where Nas come from. Uh, And I don't know if you guys ever spent time in New York in the '90s, uh, but New York was pretty grungy. you know, it's like when I think of New York in the '90s. For some reason, I think of like ashy, and in, 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 for some reason, it's like not bright. It's not bright. It wasn't bright. It was like, mm. um, yeah, just very dull, like muted colors. Everything just felt like it was like that because, you know, especially growing up in that, it's like it's almost like there's no hope in many uh, in many ways. Um, but yeah, I think you know where it places me is that you know you hear. Uh, almost like standing under the train track, and you, you hear the train flying above you. I think that's super dope about New York that they got train tracks right above regularly city it's streets. Um, it's it almost it, it almost feels like just like standing on a New York bodega corner, just you know, looking around and uh, you know, just soaking it in. But come on, the, yo Nas, right off the rip, he's like. Just killing him with the rhymes, bro. New York state of mind. He's like uh rappers are monkey flipping with the funky rhythm. I be kicking, musician, inflicting composition. Come on, bro. Like the man is just like a lyr- lyrical assassin. It's like his penmanship is is through the roof. But he's able to paint just this like beautiful perspective from where he comes from.
0: Yeah. And so, sometimes I try to figure out like what is it about the lyricism that's so sharp? Because you have certain rappers that you know they'll hit you with the double and triple entendres, and they'll say one line, and how they say it isn't really as important as like what is in like beneath the message of it. Um, and I, I feel like it's it's the precision. It's like a surgeon. It's like his. It's not only the lyricism, right? It's it's the delivery. It is so sharp and so clear and at the same time being so vivid and oh I love that you pointed out just those first couple lines like you're hooked right away because how often do you have this like yo to what you were saying grungy ashy like underground under a subway rail type of vibe with this like elevated clear sharp level of poetry they're almost it's like that dichotomy again that we've been talking about since like I don't know episode one. It's like you're bringing these two opposing forces together right away, and you're giving it so much bop, and it's just so appealing right away. It's very impressive to me. Like I think those first the first thirty seconds to me of this album, for me, kind of set the tone for the rest of it. Um, Super facts man i I have so many places i want to go from that um okay all right let's 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 keep going down this track of setting the tone for the album and what this album meant to other people as well um i i I do i do kind of want to zoom out a little bit and then we can start thinking about uh the lyricism throughout it so to me the poetry and the lyricism is really important but let's kind of zoom out for a little bit All right, so here's a pretty impressive fact that I found. As of two years ago, Illmatic has sold two million copies in the Mm -hmm. United States. Just for perspective, 50 Cents Get Rich or Die Trying in 2003 sold six million that year alone. Mm -hmm. All right, two million to six million just in one year. Um, If y'all are familiar with The Source, very famous hip hop magazine, um, the Source gave Illmatic five mics out of five. It was their highest rating ever. So to get that from your first album is pretty amazing. So I'm kind of in this space mm-hmm. of like analyzing those two things and thinking about, okay, Illmatic is kind of used as, as this like really incredible thing, but commercially it really didn't hit. Or even even to this day, it hasn't really hit to the fact of other uh, albums out there. But you have The Source giving it five mics out of five right away in 1994 when it came out. So I guess when, when we think about the popularity of this album, we think about some of those beautiful things y'all have brought up already. How do you think the popularity should be viewed in terms of the quality of Illmatic? Do you feel like they are like opposing forces, not important in the two? Or do you think they kind of like build off of each other in a sense?
1: I mean, and if you think about when this album was released, um, you know, it's not like artists were going platinum off the rip. It was take, I think this album went platinum uh, in like 2001, which is like seven years after its release. Um, You know, and and nowadays it's like totally different because, you know, there's so much of the digital uh, side of things. Uh, I I think 50 Cent, when he's released, I I think maybe that's when it it got to uh, kind of a peak of, buying like CDs mm-hmm. and physical copies. So I think that definitely helped. I mean and it also helped that fifty cent was just a freaking like Uber smash, generally speaking. Everyone, every demographic loves mm. fifty Cent. Um but that I think it's almost an unfair comparison. Um but sorry, what I guess what was what was your question one more time? I was curious about what you thought of the po- how the popularity
0: impacted the quality of Ilmatic because from one perspective, you can say, yo, it really wasn't that popular if you look at album sales. But from another perspective, you can say, man, it really was popular if the source is giving it a five out of five, and it was their highest rating ever. So I'm, I'm curious how y'all think popularity impacts
1: quality here for Ilmatic. I I mean, I don't think... Well, first off, so uh, I, and another important thing to note is that Nas had this, like, huge... uh suspense uh, that was built up. Mm-hmm. He, he was, uh, he was on, uh, featured on a song um, I, I don't remember the name of the group but uh, the guy who founded him, this dude named MC Search, he was part of a group and he was featured on one song and this one verse that he had on this one song amassed like, this massive following for Nas. Mm-hmm. There was this like huge suspense that was built up and people were waiting for this album. So it's interesting that um, although it, 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 what, Nas was popular in a sense this album didn't sell. So I think the popularity, compared to the quality, are kind of unrelated. I mean, because you mm. know, this album could have dropped in 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 '85 and 2005, and I think that it still would have had as much of a, as an impact as it as it did.
0: Do you think it would have stayed as underground, or do you think it would have like become a more mainstream thing if it was more released? Really, yeah, ten years, 2005,
1: 2015. Hmm. That's tough to say, man. You know, we're taking, like, the greatest rapper of the 90s, essentially. And it, I, I, think, I think it would have been more popular in 2005. Mm. I do. Because, you know, because I, th- I think maybe... And I, I can only speak from my perspective and you know, being a lifelong follower of hip-hop. I know I can definitely say that in the 2000s is when I really started to go back and... Uh, analyze the MCs from the 90s, because uh, for me it almost felt like uh, 90s MCs took a more poetic, more methodical, like direct approach, yeah. as opposed to like the 2000s. It was more of a melodic sense. Mm. Um, but yeah, man, Nas-, Nas was ahead of his time, bro. I think I think he, Nas could have dropped in 2025 and he still would have been dope as shit. <laughs> he probably will continue to drop album. He just released an album like uh, two months ago. So yeah,
2: facts. Uh, look, what do you think? um i think um well i' i'd like to believe that popularity has does not um have an impact on like art as a you know as a product um uh, but unfortunately it does and popular you know popular opinion will push things or give it like subjectively push it in a direction um to me. This, like I said earlier, was like I was able to immediately associate this uh, sound to something I'd heard before. Uh, Once I peeled back that first layer, I was able to, you know, dive right into uh, the artist himself—not so much just the canvas—and yeah, it's fucking mind-blowing. Fast, um, furious, yet smooth, buttery. And, and really just, just the vocabulary is just like out of this world. I didn't know that he didn't go to, didn't finish high school. or didn't go to high school, dropped out. I, it's like, you know, it just opens up all these other questions. Like, this, this dude's a just a student of life and is very articulate. Um, it's, it's very impressive. Totally caught off guard. Um I didn't know. I mean, I'd never listened to this album before. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So I came at this very fresh. Um, and like, I, I got it right away. Like why it would be, this is a five out of five for this genre. Um, and um, yeah, it was like, well, this is, this is a, this is a shining star. This is a man on a pedestal um, self put or put there. I don't know. Um, you know I think it's hard to compare um really hard to compare someone like, nas in nineteen ninety four to someone like fifty cent in two thousand and three with all the things that happened between and the technologies um just think that they had at their disposal and it it just I'm sure it was different um but it's also i think probably oh, pointed out just more melodic and in more in the latter age uh versus like true like rhyme. Um, So it's like 94. um, Or rather say, in in this album, Illmatic, it was was a lot of wordplay, which is super attractive to the mind, right? Because you're just, you know, most of these words, you know, or, you know, you maybe would you haven't even heard of before, or, or you've heard before, but like, you haven't heard in a while. And these associations, these you know metaphors and similes, and the way he just compounds these like pulls these things together is um to mean it's expert level um then you fast forward to two thousand three and yeah this this type of music that I remember hearing in middle school was super popular, but it was very like sex driven and like just it wasn't it's not even close to. Like Magic Stick, I imagine was that 2003, or that era, I'm just going to put it in a bucket over here. Compared to any track on this album, Illmatic album, completely two different worlds. And there's more to appreciate um, on an artist level over here in 94 uh, versus something that's a little bit more mainstream in 2003. Um, So Going back, I don't think it's, I I have a, I want to believe that popularity doesn't push things in a certain direction, but it does. I mean, it's a popular opinion. Uh, one person says, you know, red fish says the blue fish and blue fish says the green fish and all fish are going in this direction. I I don't want to believe in that. I want to believe in, in the, in the artist and the product. Um, but it comes with a trained ear too. It's, it's a, you know how would you know that this is a gold mine if somebody didn't tell you it was a gold mine and worth mm. X? You know, but I think when you listen to music and you have an ear for it, um, you're able to pick up on things. And I can cons- it didn't take me very long to understand it. Um, I was really, uh, really blown away. Uh, and it fits that i really like it's it's good music to listen to and study um you know just the flow i can't rap for shit and never really tried that hard um i'm hoping one day i'm going to just like, show up at practice and just fucking blow you guys away with a free <clears throat> um but yeah i um yeah i thought it was uh it was definitely uh catchy catching to me I love Wu Tang Clan early stuff. And, uh, you know, um, that East Coast, like, real simple, but, like, hard beat. But I don't know. Like, the, just the, the fusion of, of old school jazz that's not, like, you know, it's, it's slightly distorted or a little gray. I think we mm. use the word grungy when comparing it to, like, to New York City. I think that, that, like, that is, like, captured in a backbeat um that really helps paint you know set the canvas for for the story that he's telling going back full circle sorry for my you know you get a rant once a week from me um i definitely think that uh his uh i don't know man popularity is whatever to me
0: interesting Quick,
2: quick take the ball I got you. I got you. Yeah,
0: no, you you touched on a, a bunch of really beautiful things that are great segues. Um, I think the popularity thing is something that I've been thinking about since the very first album that we listened to from 1994. Because when we listened to Portishead's Dummy, I thought, man, this is so grungy and underground. This is how could this like be appealing to the masses? You know, like for for such a long time, like if you wanted a mass appeal, you most of the time went for like a very sugary, friendly pop radio hit. You know, you can go as far back as the Beatles, go even further back to Elvis. Like it's, it's there's like a certain almost formula that I can picture for a uh, top hit. And I didn't get that with the Borda's Head. I didn't get that with Jar of Flies. And there are so many moments in Nomadic where I'm like, it makes sense that this wasn't commercially popular. That doesn't mean it's not high top shelf, five out of five rap, but does this rap have a place in popularity and like mainstream, like Taylor Swift level pop? I don't think it does. And I kind of want to go into that right now. And what is it about certain types of production that maybe keep it away from being that top level of uh, popularity. Let's just talk about the instrumentation and the producers real quick because they deserve equal amounts if not more credit than Nas on this. So Raul used uh, the word Voltron. Um, I'll just give some of the names here. So you have DJ Premier who's produced for everyone from Gangstar to Jay-Z to D'Angelo. Uh, large professor who is also just like a hip-hop cornerstone like foundational figure. You have Pete Rock who sang the hook on uh, The World Is Yours after Nas told him to do it and he didn't want to at first. And then you have Q-Tip, who is still around today. Talk about Quest produced an album like two years ago and then Tribe Call Quest's catalog would be an incredible album dive. Like that would be super dope. So instrumentation, like you have some juggernauts there. I got into this argument with a friend of mine about early 90s hip-hop production. I'm really curious to hear your take here, especially after listening to Illmatic. His thesis was that early 90s hip-hop production is very boring and very repetitive and therefore not interesting.
1: Hmm.
0: Boring, repetitive, and not interesting are three words that I would never use to describe Nas and especially Nas's lyricism. So I'm curious, how do y'all think these boring, repetitive loops on 90s hip-hop relate to Nas's raps and his lyricism and his delivery on Elmatic? Not even close.
2: I, I don't, I, I don't, I mean, it's just, the music's just a canvas. And I think they picked great platforms for him to go off on. And I don't, I mean, I don't know. I think this song Respect may have like, you know, could have been, I don't want to listen to it. So the chorus is a little thin, but it's not like mm-hmm. uh, It's just me. Just like trying to like pick something to critique at that point. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's just there's a break between verses because this dude just like slayed it, and it, it should be a mic drop. And then somebody else hand him a mic. He ain't bending over to pick that mic up. Give him a new mic. You know, like it's it's just really. Uh,
1: I don't agree. I don't
2: agree with. I mean, I I, I agree with. Um, Hip hop being, you know, it's meter over over music, and and that's a very general statement, but it, it it's it it is in a way. So you set a canvas, and then you go over it. It's no different than us playing live, and the band playing for someone to rap over it. Um, but and that's totally fine. I it's just the creativity comes mm. from picking a platform and. You having at it with you, you, you your content um, and how you deliver it. And this dude's just straight, you know, straight aces, man. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't, it may be, it may be for other artists where, you, yeah, you're, you, if it's, you know, repetition isn't a bad thing, but too much repetition, sure, uh, could break it. But this guy's too, he's too good. He's above that.
1: Ben, repeat the question. I want to make sure that I'm answering it properly.
0: Yeah, so the, the the thesis is that early 90s hip-hop production is boring, repetitive. Boring and repetitive, essentially. And those are not words that obviously any of us would use to describe Nas. The question is how does Nas's raps and his lyricism relate to the production on
1: this beautiful album yeah well i happen to know that it was it was uh Nas was involved in terms of uh selecting the beats he was there in many cases when they were making the music the producers when they were making the beats so i, I think that they were kind of bouncing off of each other similar to like uh, what well, we've done how mm. typically how it happens when you put creatives in a in a room um so i i think i think that definitely the the instrumentation uh influence what Nas was writing, and what Nas was writing was also influencing what they were creating in terms of the music. I don't think that, I think that boring and repetitive, I think there's some truth to some of early 90s hip-hop with that in mind, because... And I can relate that to even, uh, rapping, you know, I, I can't say that I love run DMC rapping because they're, they're very, for me, they're very single dimensional and like that, 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 that it's like very like mundane in a sense. So I think that, yes, there has been this massive progression in the quality of, of rap beats, but I think you can't say that about, about this app. Like, yo, the beat to, uh, Uh, It Ain't Hard to Tell It's one of my favorite beats of all time. Like, you know, One Love is beautifully, beautiful landscape for for Nas to come in, you know, write, essentially write a a letter to his homeboy that's locked up. So it's like, nah, you can't, I can't, if if any of these songs uh, for me felt boring to me a little bit, I would say it's one time for your mind. It was a little mundane for me, but... And, and you know what? I would love to send your homie, I can, and I have an idea as to who you're talking about, but I'd love to send your homie like a playlist of early 90s uh, rap songs and beats that will blow a lot of production from current currently out of the water. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. I, I couldn't, I cannot disagree more. <laughs> yeah. And
0: honestly, I think it's the angle that you approach hip hop with. I think if you come at it, from a Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones, Pink Floyd instrumentation perspective, where the songs are eight, nine, ten minutes long and there's different key changes. Even if you took it from a Stevie Wonder song from the Key of Life perspective, that instrumentation palette and those arrangements are way more complex than anything on Illmatic. But the lyrical poetry density of Illmatic is miles ahead of and I'll even say it songs in the key of life, anything on any of the Beatles albums, like there's, there's a give and take there. It's like sometimes you need a bit of, a, and I don't want to use the word boring, maybe a repetitive backdrop because, yo, like New York State of Mind, like, you got to listen to what this dude is saying. And I was really interested to review this album with Libby because I've heard him say several times over our 30, what, uh, six episodes that he's not really into lyrics that really into the words that are being said. So I was like, yo, how is he, A, gonna feel listening to this album for the first time? And B, where I feel like a big part of this album's gold is in the lyricism, how is that going to, to sit? But I, I can understand the perspective of early 90s hip hop instrumentation being a bit more laid back and sometimes repetitive. But I think when it's done really well, like an incredible lyricist will rise Way, way above that. Like, listen to Reasonable Doubt and you won't think any of that's imbo- boring. Listen to Illmatic. Listen to 36 Chambers. Like, you'll forget that it's the same loop happening because the MC is so dope, so charismatic, like, so versatile in the imagery that it's just that good. But, yeah, I love the Run DMC comparison. Like, yo, you, if, if, if the rapper is as repetitive as the instrumentation, yeah, it's going to be whack. But I don't think Nas was anywhere near that. Um, while we're here, let's talk about lyrics, <laughs> talk about verses. Give me some of your, like, either favorite lyrics, favorite
1: verses uh, on Ilmatic. You know what? One of my favorite verses is not even from Nas, but AZ's uh, verse on Life's a Bitch is remarkable. Yeah. Remarkable. Um there's so much, like, oh, my goodness. Like, to, to ask me to pick a favorite line or quote from this album is unfair because there's so many. There's, If I sit and, like, think for the next 20 minutes, I can give you, like, a hundred of them. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. There's so much about this album that I thoroughly love in terms of what Nas is able to do with his rhymes. Um, but uh, let me think of one. Let me think of one.
0: Or maybe a moment, maybe an image, that sticks out to you from the record.
2: Mm. Let me get back to you, Libby. You got anything in mind? I just remember listening to um, to the first you know, Genesis. It's just kind of like an intro. It's not really a song. And then uh, New York State of Mind. I remember being like, Oh, is this anything like? You know, I just it had, a, it had a title that I thought of was like uh, this is a pretty common title I must have heard this somewhere before. Um, I remember listening to it for the first time and being like, it's hard to actually retain everything that he sang. By the time I got to halftime, though, I think I, I just remember it being like, just like the 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 beat on halftime, and then he just like kicks it uh i was like oh shit and it was like it's like an easy flow i remember being like oh man this is this might be the apex for me at this in the first listening go through and after to re-listen to the album a few times it's like that that's still for whatever reason by the time i get to halftime, i'm like "Fucking over here just nodding away like this is awesome this is like i walk all eight to like with the air hairphones ear air, air-, air- pods on and i'm just like oh, yeah this is a uh, feel like a badass. um <laughs> yeah no i was just like only like very rarely do i feel like that when i'm listening to music walking down the street but i had like bulging muscles and like yeah i'm feeling good um no I, I yeah i think there's some there's some uh lyrics that definitely he could not get away with now. i mean he could say whatever he wants but they wouldn't resonate well in today's crowd in halftime um Okay. But I love this. I love the switches and the uh, and some of the wordplay, some of the rhymes, and halftime. I thought were fucking were mm. cool. But I, at that, it, like I said, I, for whatever reason, that moment where I might have been more in tune to the lyrics than anything else. Um, it, it just that first listen, I just won't forget it. That was pretty cool. I don't know how you guys feel about halftime, but that uh, to me that was pretty. uh that was, was not. It was not the best song on the album, but it was the one that like maybe was the most. Uh, um, actually, I don't have the right word for it. Certainly, it's, it's not relatable. It's not palatable. It's um engaging. Sure, yeah, because it's not like a story. Uh no. it's kind of poppy. In the sense that it's like all appealing um but it ha it still felt like I was part of what was already what he the thing is when you get into like these you know, narratives um you ever listen you know, maybe have listened to uh, immortal techniques, dance with the devil, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> and how like you get locked into a narrative that ends terribly, you know, and uh like hard to kind of come back from that. <laughs> You know, and be like, okay, let's listen to the next track. What's this one gonna be like? You know, um, this album was in and out of story. He's just a great story weaver, um, but it wasn't like he—you uh, weren't walking away from the like. You walked away from one song into the next, thinking like you're not carrying baggage. It's just, each one of them's like its own cut thing, but it's a smooth transition from one to the other. I felt like. Oh, I just felt good, even though he was talking about hard times. But he was also nostalgic and like calling back to a lot, um, you know, growing up and shit. I think there's a there's a lyric where he was like, "If it wasn't on the coke, like the cocaine spot, I was breaking into the candy shop." And I was like, "Yeah, it's fucking kid, man. Like you're fucking, you know, you're just a adolescent." And it just, but it just that's what he grew up in. That's, that's what he knows or, or what it, that character knows or seen has been around. And Ben, you pointed out like, you know, you need to go into jail. Or you're getting shot in that time, you know, and this kid persevered through that as a, it all revealing, uh, mixed emotions. Uh, but it was just the way it was like packaged and delivered to the listener was like reading a really good book but it is being told to you, being spun to you with, with, with flavor. Yeah.
1: You know what I think Nas is really good at is his, the the opening lines to his songs always stand out to me um, as being like some of the most notable, like for example, on um, it ain't hard to tell. I love the opening line. He says, uh, it ain't hard to tell. I excel then prevail. The mic is content that I attract clientele. Uh, the mic check is life and death, breathing the sniper's breath, the exhale, the yellow smoke of Buddha through righteous step. Like, he's so, like, his his rhythmic cadence, man, is like, it's like none other. And, you know, he's like, it's almost like Nas. Nas rapping is almost like a, a trumpeter or, like, you mm. know, because he has, like, a very, like, jazzy, like, swing to what he's saying. He's not robotic yeah. at all. He's, like, very... Totally agree. He's very interwoven and, like he's bouncing from kick to snare and like in between it's like the man is really a poet, man. But yeah, there's plenty of stuff that we can highlight on this album man. the entire thing dude is just phenomenal from top to bottom, man. Uh, he says, Oh, but you know what I think is dope is it's crazy that you could tell that he's a very, uh, well-read person. And even as a kid, um, even though he dropped out, he didn't make it to high school. Uh, I remember watching interviews or, or reading about his pops uh, and his mom they would um. They would make them read like very uh, intellectual books so that they you know they're they're very well read even from from young age mm-hmm. you know, very well read. Uh, like on uh, the world is yours. He starts uh, I sit the Dom P watching Gandhi. He's talking about you know Gandhi. You know uh, till I'm charged and writing in my book of rhymes all the words past the margin. Yo, the man is an assassin, bro. Yeah, sipping on
0: Perignon, which is a two hundred fifty dollar bottle of champagne, while you're watching Gandhi. Like,
1: <laughs> look at that dichotomy, bro. Yo,
0: it, yeah, and that that's at the heart of it, man. Um, yo, Raul, you're just so in tune with the Most High. Um, so his dad, Oludara, um, was, as you said, very like kind of forward thinking in that sense. But um, he himself was a musician. And he had Nas and his brother, uh, Jungle, who was, you know, very much involved throughout the the project as well, uh, play instruments growing up. And the instrument that uh, his dad thought that Nas was going to excel in was Mm -hmm. the trumpet. There you go. He said that Nas was amazing at the trumpet when he was a kid. And then one day he was like, man, I don't want to play this anymore. And his dad was so mad because he was like, you are so good Like you could be like miles davis level if you continued so he 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 was definitely surrounded by that aesthetic um of type of musicians like down south like delta uh level musicians uh type of thing so you hear jazz on this you hear the influence of that on it like it makes sense he was in the studio i bet you he heard some run dmc beats when he was up in there and he was just like nope i'm good with that like Give me that jazzy vibe. Give me that jazzy bop vibe, and then I'm just gonna just destroy it with the poetry that my parents instilled in me. Like having him read the autobiography of Malcolm X. Like having him read like real, real like intellectual level books, James Baldwin stuff. Like it's not a, it's not a mistake, bro. Like people, I I hate when people think Illmatic like just happened by mistake. It's like nah, man. There's a lot that went into. Nas's environment creating who he was, his family creating who he was, and he himself. Like, he didn't just stumble on these bars. Like, this, this dude, he, he, yes, he was 19, but this album was no mistake, bro. By no means, yo. Yeah. Not at all. Um, all right, I got two more things I want to chat with y'all about. Theme, I feel like we kind of touched upon it, but we haven't, I don't know if we really, like, wrapped around the theme of Illmatic. And you know me. I am like a sucker for a theme. Like, you, you, the album could be garbage. If it has a theme, I'll defend it. I want to know what y'all thought theme-wise. What is Illmatic
1: about? Mm. Yeah, and and I think it's the, the cover art uh, reflects this as well. But it's a picture of him as a child. But I think it's very much his perspective, his point of view, his upbringing of his the environment that he grew up in and how it molded him, how he had to... Kind of duck and dodge to survive you know the album is named after uh a friend of his at the time that was in jail for uh for murder you know so it's like it's like it's a very thin line uh especially growing up in these types of environment as far as what how your life is going to pan out to be are you gonna are you gonna grow up to be spike lee the greatest uh director producer uh, as a black man or are you gonna be this guy like his friend that was locked up for 25 years it's like being in this environment is like you have to like shift and move and, and, and find your way, find your fitting, find your, uh, your, your, your feet, uh, plant them firmly. Otherwise you are gonna get swept by the devil, you know, or caught by the devil's lasso. Shit is a hassle, but it's like, he he taps into so much about how, you know, what it was like growing up and how he had to, it's, it's Marxism at his best. This album is Marxism at his best. It's him standing in the middle of Queens, you know, looking around and describing his environment and what he had to go through.
2: Totally. I think it's a, it's a nostalgic piece. Um, talking about uh, his upbringing, which is all um, interrelated, right? He's it, it, that, that just seems to me, that it was the, 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 he's talking about personal experiences Um very personal piece um there's really no sugarcoating it other than his you know smooth buttery language um it, it just yeah i did i don't know how old he is in that photo that's uh the album cover but every time i searched for it on spotify it was like already telling me that this is what the album is going to be about i just knew it was him didn't know it could have been his nephew could have been his, you know, his brother or just kind of boop, and that I'm instantly transported to New York city and he's rapping about his, his experiences and his observations. Um, but intertwined between the realism of what's happening in his present life to what's happened when he was a kid, you know, there's a lot of, you know, balance there and, and callback and it's effortless. It's, it's really cool. Uh, especially for me. I, I, I I have a soft spot for nostalgia and and, and memory and, and, and reminiscing about uh, the good old days, you know, and, you know, I don't know. I just think he if I were to put it on something, um, it would it would have to, it's got to be, you know, the theme is 100%, in my opinion, about his childhood. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, this album has a very special place in my heart because of the theme of it. And I'll give you a little bit of context. So my parents moved to uh, New York City in in the mid 80s to late 80s. And then when I was born in 89, they decided that they needed to leave New York City, that it was for some reason not the place that they wanted to raise their firstborn son. And my parents never really talked about that. And I never really cared much about it. I never really asked about it. So for me, listening to this album is like finding out why they left. It like explains so much of why this is such a hostile environment. And in the Illmatic documentary on Netflix, they talk about the day that one of their best friends got shot uh, with Phil. And Nas's brother says that he begged his mom he was like get us out of here why are we still living here like this is happening this is traumatized my best friend gets shot right outside of my house so when i listen to this album it's like oh my god like a lot of people didn't have that option and a lot of people became victim to that how rare is it to have a young black boy right 19 years old a boy to have this like perspective on it this wide intelligent balanced humble but also like kind of braggadocious perspective on what it was like to live in new york in the early 90s to me this album is all about the world of new york in the 90s from the eyes of a young black man the beautiful parts of it getting love from your homies and like partying and doing that but also the sad parts about it having friends in prison and friends getting shot uh it's you know, the byproduct of Reaganomics and crack, like it's all of that with poetry. Um, and yes, maybe there's not like a Aesop fable, like A to B to C ne- level of like chapter narrative to it. But man, that doesn't even matter. It doesn't like the the theme is just so beautifully presented and so dense that that is, it, I don't need it. Like you win Nas, you got, you, you wrote me in man from from minute one. Um, so, yeah, to me, it's just really beautiful. All right, I, I kind of want to tie things together now. 1994, Portis Heads, jumpy, um Allison Chains, char, uh, Jar of Flies, Nas Ilmatic. What do we think? What are the commonalities? What are the differences? What do we see as things that are consistent amongst the three? What are some of the major differences? Big picture, let's just wrap up. What is
1: 1994 all about? I'm, I mean, at least judging from Illmatic and Alice uh, and Chains, uh, there was a struggle, man. The 90s were a struggle for the most part. Mm.
2: Totally agree. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was thinking, like, it's, uh, it, those, definitely those two artists are more uh, personal-level, um, reflective storytelling. Um, I don't know if I could draw like a connect Porter's head to any one of them, other than maybe that, that Jar of Flies, where it's more uh, pushing the boundaries of experimentalness, like being more experimental in in their sound. Um, I just think Nas is a total so solo artist superstar, and uh, what he was able to, to to put out. I I think it. I don't know. It's 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 maybe ref- more reflective. I mean, mm. I don't know. And you look at Portishead and it's, it's definitely like, you know, underground grunge is also underground. Was this, was, we talk go back to popularity. Was this, this definitely Nas's uh, album was not mainstream, was it? You know, so it is, it's maybe it is all about, uh, and being intensely, um, Personal or reflective? I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I I'd I have, I have to go back to Portishead and try to figure out what that really, you know, that's an underground thing. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe it's all just it's underground music coming to the surface, you know. Yeah. Um, I think particularly with the
0: with the albums that we picked, I see a very dark, moody subterranean level of instrumentation. Um, when we listened to Dummy, I felt like I wanted to sink into my bed every time I was listening to it. When I listened to Jar of Flies, I just felt like it was rainy all the time. Um, Illmatic, I think, is the exception to that. But there are some c- incredibly dark and moody moments on on Illmatic. So kind of going back to what Raul was talking about, I think it's interesting that the albums that we chose to listen to almost 30 years later that You know, from some perspective, we're considered some of the greater albums of the time. Their redeeming quality is their moodiness. Their redeeming quality is their introspection, that it isn't just like, okay, this is what's popping on the time, and I'm just going to, like, fit the mainstream ideas. I'm going to kind of give you what's underneath that. Uh, so I, I think what has been successful on the three albums that we have listened to is that they weren't just sitting at the surface, they were being reflective. Yeah, they were taking in the context of the time. I think Elmatic more than the other two. Um, but it was what's underneath. And there's a lot going down there. So like, yeah, you just look at pictures of people from the 90s and look like clowns, look like clowns, man. But yeah, there's, there's still a lot of substance going on down there, for sure. Um man yeah I feel like I can just I can keep talking about this album all day but let's let's get into final thoughts. Uh
1: who would like to begin? I'll start it off. Um you know what I love about Nas is I, I feel like Nas held and still holds just this like upper echelon uh confidence. Um I, I you know I love I love people that Move like cats in a sense that they don't have to <clears throat> pop their shit and be braggadocious and be flashy. You know, it's 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 the ones that are quiet and methodical, and the ones that are that are really like introspective. The ones that are like those are the ones for me as far as MCs goes. Those are the ones that you got to be careful with because those those are the ones that are packing heat. You know, and uh, Nas being a Virgo, I know Virgos in general we tend to be very uh, okay. like. We bro, straight up, we tend to be very. And you've called me out for this shit as well, where it's almost like we just sit back and analyze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nas, Nas is an analyzer, and then you know he and he thinks ten times and then he'll act. Um, you know, which is definitely uh, something that I appreciate in MCs. I appreciate MCs that aren't braggadocious, but yo, you put a pen and pad in front of them, they're gonna write this magnum opus. Um, I, I thought it was dope. I watched this interview where Q Tip referred to Nas as a ghetto monk. I thought, I thought that was very elegantly put. Yeah, um, and, yeah and, and a lot of because obviously you know I listened but prior to us analyzing this album, I, I probably listened to this album at least 500 times throughout my life, with no mm. exaggeration. Um, so I this this past week I was watching a bunch of interviews, and yeah, I love how Nas carries himself. He carries himself as this very like well kept, very quiet person, but you can tell that you know he's he's his his sword is sharp as a motherfucker. Mm. Um, you know, I think I think Nas, like I said earlier, he's a once in a century type of poet. Uh, there, there are not when I think of excellence in 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 the realm of hip hop, Nas is who is at the top of that list. I, I don't think there are many MCs that I would put in the realm or even in the same vicinity as Nas. He is, he is a god MC, straight up. You know, the only I don't have this this is is definitely going to be in that category of. I could find of uh, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and I can, I can find some flaws in this album, but the overall picture, the overall product is immaculate to me. It is like remarkable there. You know, this is, this is definitely on my top five favorite albums ever. Like straight know. up. I didn't know that. Yeah. Top five, which is interesting when you, when you were, you said it was a toss up between Illmatic and ready to die. I'm like, damn, these are two albums that, like, literally define my childhood, yo. Like, you have <laughs> no idea, dude. <clears throat> you have the Ready to Big- Die
0: show. I was like, I can't pick that. I can't have Ra wearing the Ready to Die show. I the
1: <laughs> album. You know, Ready to Die more than Nas. Nas is actually uh, someone who I kind of rediscovered and went back and, like, analyzed his body of work a little later. But, yeah, in the, in the 90s, you couldn't tell me that there was a better MC than, than Biggie. Mm. Um, but, yeah, Nas, Nas is just... He's that guy, yo. He's 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 like a chameleon, man. He's he's yo. He's a ghetto monk, bro. Come on. <laughs> oh but yeah, uh, as far as you know, I, I think it's probably pretty obvious what my rating for this album is gonna be. But I definitely give this album a ten, yo. This is such a staple in hip hop and music in general, man. This is a ten all the fucking rounds. My man.
0: Oh boy, um, I I didn't know that. Uh, they were so high. I, I obviously knew that you would have to love Illmatic. It's kind of hard to be a hip hop fan and not love Illmatic. But I didn't know it was top five or top ten. Uh, oh yeah, is Ready to Die top five? Uh,
1: top five hip hop albums, yes, without a doubt. Yeah, Right, right, With Flying Colors. Gotcha. <laughs> um. All right. I'll uh.
0: I'll, I'll take it from here, and then we'll let Livy close this out um i love your point raul about wondering if there's any more of an immaculate rapper than Nas. and i i've listened to naz's albums throughout his whole uh career but illmatic just stands out because of the poetry and when i think about the best possible rapping that you can do when i think about people that don't consider rap an art form when i think about headlines saying that rap is ruining our community or what is this garbage, like they're just mumbling words, like where is the instrumentation? Like, fuck all those people, first of all. And second of all, like, dude, listen to what this man is saying. Like, even if you want, okay, move the instrumentation down and just listen, read the words. You know, this reads like poetry, like the double entendres, the syncopation in the wordplay, like, It is just, it's like watching a pinball just bounce back and forth with so much precision and elegance and charisma. Like, I just don't know if anyone else could do this. I don't think anyone else can do it. And I think even Nas himself has tried to do it. Like, he tried to do another nomadic and he couldn't do it. So, like, even within Nas himself, like, this is a masterpiece of rap music. This is a rap masterpiece of lyrical art form and then on top of that bring the production in the sampling like the swing and the kick drums and the snare like it's a vibe but it's also a mood piece simultaneously yeah maybe Nas doesn't play the trumpet on it but his dad is on here playing the trumpet and he actually asked his dad um, he's like yo play some of that old stuff he used to play in the summertime, going back to Libby's point about this feeling nostalgic. So yeah, I don't think Nas was trying to look into the future here, because I think as a young black man in the 90s, I don't know if he thought there was much of a future for him. I don't know if he thought that he would make it further than 25. And I think that kind of builds into why he put so much of his heart into this. And you can feel it, man, from the Genesis all the way down to It Ain't Hard to Tell. Um, I struggle to find flaws in this album. Um, I think I could maybe get nitpicky about the lack of hooks. I can maybe get nitpicky uh, with One Time for Your Mind. And I can maybe get nitpicky that there's not more of a clear narrative. But in terms of watching like a true rap megastar do his thing, you know, I don't know if there's a better rap lyrical output in this, man. This is a 10... And it's not even a question,
2: man. I I love this album, straight up. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty cool listening to the two of you talk about this album. God, um, kind of tried to pick my pockets and I would talk for a bit, but uh, you guys are so. Um, you know, I could tell them how, how much you love this album, um, and it goes just beyond this last week of listening. So I've learned a lot about you guys as listeners and just students of music in the last hour. Um, but it's also knocked down doors. As I listened to this album, really for the first time in totality over the last week, uh, you, know, you try to let it wash over yourself and, and you, you, again, you're associating it with things you've heard before. This is from my perspective. <laughs> um, you know, it's. Uh, I haven't spent as much time with it as you two have. Um, I didn't notice any flaws. Yeah, I think Ben, you, you know, you can get nitpicky, right, and like go down the line and lack a hook, and you know, was that was that hook really kind of annoying? Uh, you know, you can you can kind of like peel that back with anything, really, um, and, and and try to get judgy with with certain aspects. But be yeah, honest with you, there wasn't anything to complain about at all. Uh, on this album, it was a a tour de force from the beginning. Um, You know, not something I could sit back and rifle off. You know, it wasn't inspiring. uh, It wasn't an inspiring piece um, to me um, musically. It was more of staring at a beautiful painting or it's a wonderful spring day and you're out and you're smelling you know looking at the flowers and smelling you know just earth around you it just it was just more of a situational masterpiece and not so much like i want to emulate that i need to you know it it didn't stoke a fire or or anything um but it doesn't take away from what it is in in its form um yeah i mean i'm i'm tossed man i'm 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 inclined to give it a ten rating purely because it is i had nothing to uh you know, there was no negatives about this it was it was it was fresh and you know again first week first time really listening to this I couldn't tell you one song on here that I recognized from my childhood um yes. So yeah I know I've heard the name and that's it but I I don't you know I'd never listened to this album before and I was I was blown away um by the craftsmanship his, his lyrics his storytelling his his spit I guess and um it was it was fucking cool I mean if I could really put a score on it, it'd be like a nine and a half. I don't have like, there's no heartstrings attached to this album for me. It's just hard to deny the the, the talent level and the flow and, and just how well things came together. I'm um, not um, talented enough production-wise to really nitpick any of of that side of, of the record, but um, I don't have anything to complain about. And um, I fucking listened to this album maybe six times this week, start to finish. And I knew exactly when it ended. And, you know, Spotify just takes you to, like, you know, a like this or whatever. Mm-hmm. Stop it, go back and do Genesis and let it roll again nice yeah like, oh, i'm just gonna fucking just let this keep going i just it, it wasn't like it just like seamlessly flowed into something else which is always my fear when i'm listening to something that um i associate with knowing um and then all of a sudden i'm like way down the line and i'm in an artist i've ever heard of and it's all one thing it's like lo-fi hip-hop it's all of a sudden it's just it's a set it's a playlist of multiple artists but no, it just i think the first time i went through it it bounced around I was like this is not Nas, this is different boom back Boom. Mm-hmm. genesis let it roll again and um i think the one thing that, about his work is that it's just for someone <coughs> just keep getting used to it i guess lack of a better uh, terminology was like, man so many nuggets in there like you, you know I, I don't have these lyrics memorized but Every time I listen to it, something else hits me that's like funny or, you know, just like, ooh that was that was memorable, you know, Um, that's fucking cool. And I could continue to listen to this over and over again. I feel like I'm going to get that same reward every time I listen to it. Those are those are cool points. And I I hear that. And when I listen to The Grateful Dead or, or other other music where there's always these nuggets that are just just constantly given to you it's not this repetitive circus that is overplayed um and i think that's really where musicianship is you know an artist musicianship is elevated to the next level it is where you can constantly endlessly entertain your listener um and it's not the same fucking thing over and over again so and that that's like, might be a, a deeper tie to popularity too, right? Like what's being pushed on you by mainstream, you know? It's, it's fucking cool. Uh, I didn't come into this after the first listen thinking it was a 10, but the more that I listened to it, the more I thought, I you don't know how do I could deny it. It's this is This is a genre I'm not that familiar with, but I felt like I was listening to one of the, Best rappers. I'd listen to Nas. If you put Kanye and Nas next to each other, and I don't hope I'm not upsetting anybody by saying this, but the just purely as and I well, maybe the individual has a lot to do with it too. But it's fucking. I take Illmatic over any Kanye album that's, that I've listened to. You're not, yeah.
1: you're not upsetting anyone by saying that Nas is a better artist uh, than Kanye.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, like, it's, like, the popularity, like, that again, that might be a popular pressure, but I feel vulnerable there, but, you know, it's, like, you know, any fucking Dr. Dre, any, like, like pushed album that's been, you know, I, I listen to West Coast Hip Hop, and I'm like, shit, that is funny, but there's nothing like Nas, not even close, this dude's a fucking black belt. Everyone else are like blue belts, you
1: know. <laughs> <Weird. clears throat> yo! But are you looking like a chef in that shirt? For real, my
0: god! Oh, come on, son. You should, you should come to my house right now. I'll
1: cook you something nice. Judge. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, no, but to answer Jessica's questions, uh, this is not. So it's not a mural. It's a tapestry that I ordered on Amazon. It's like it almost looks like an oil spill. It sets the vibe, but uh. What was I going to get at? Oh, as we were talking, uh, because I think eventually we're going to dive into analyzing uh, more hip-hop. But I think it would be cool that when we do that, instead of just saying, oh, you know, let's uh, pick hip-hop albums and we're going to analyze it. I like when we do a theme and then a a genre or something. But I think it would be cool if we do, like, because there's definitely a pool out there of, like, the top... 50 greatest MCs of all time. So I think it would be cool if we focus more on the upper echelon of rappers and MCs so that, you know, we can appreciate the poetry behind it. You know, we don't want to analyze a fucking two chains album, you know, I, like, I'll, I go, have... I'll go a little pump. I'll go shaggy. And... Oh, you wallet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then we'll finish up with uh, probably some classic 2002 Paul wall.
1: Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we might as well just do some little yachty as well. <laughs> yeah,
0: oh man, yeah. I was actually, as you were thinking about, as you were mentioning Kanye, Libby, I was thinking about the very first time that I listened to, I ever heard of Kanye West. Um, Ro was probably familiar with this, but there was this uh, show called Big Tigger in the Basement that was on mm-hmm. uh, BET every single day after school. Like, I would run home from school to like catch Big Tigger in the basement, and he would basically just showing <laughs> hip hop videos. This was in the early two thousands. And as you were talking, like, early 2000s rap, you know, a lot of melodic stuff. Nelly, 50 Cent, you know, Eminem stuff was a little more lyrical. Uh, But, like, even Jay-Z was getting a little poppy at that time. But Kanye at that time just, just broke through, like, cracking the pavement, concrete, like, rose popping out of the concrete, however you want to describe it. But ever every so often, like every decade or two, you do get a special MC that does like <laughs> right through. Um, I think Kendrick's that one right now. He's been a little quiet the last year or two, uh, but no, bro, I, I feel you. It would be dope to jump into some top tier lyricists for sure. Let's get it.
2: Yeah.
0: All right, bro. Before we go on next week, bro,
1: my man, get it.
2: Go. You
1: got one minute. <laughs> So this next sector of albums that we're going to be dissecting if you will, we're going to dive into the realm of instrumental jazz, correct? Mm. It's going to be interesting for us to analyze music music that does not contain any uh lyrics. This is going to really pull at our uh knowledge of theory. So it's it's going to be pretty dope. So uh, I was bouncing between two albums from this band. The name of the group is mm-hmm. Snarky Puppy. I don't know if you guys have heard of them. Uh, it, there's there's like seven or eight different instrumentalists in the group from percussion to sax to keyboard to all the above, you name it. So we're going to be listening to their 2016 project, Culture Vulture. Great. So I'll send it to the group. Snarky Puppy. Here
0: we go. Snarky Puppy sounds like an IPA that you'd get in, like, Vermont.
1: <laughs> Yo, for real, right? <laughs> They're excellent, though. And you guys, you know what? I'll send out a link as well. I think they did Tiny Desk. I don't remember what it is, but there's this live performance that I watched uh, from them a couple years ago, and I was completely floored. Floored. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, man. All right, man. Snarky Puppy, here we come. All right, y'all. Let's close out episode thirty-six of Infinite Rewind. It's Illmatic, baby. Straight out the fucking dungeons of rap. Yeah, I'm so happy that I got to share this moment with you all. This was so. This was better than I imagined. Um, we are finishing the third episode of our nineteen ninety-four album series we went to portis heads dummy then hit the grunge scene with uh uh jar of flies by allison chain and finished up with ilmatic moving on to some instrumental jazz going forward once again i'm your host benny the bill Payer, aka the burrito slayer joined by sugarfoot freas and tom brady stunt double your boy daniel libby peace and love y'all See you later.